there's a there's a there's a meme you hear um, if you follow certain uh, folks or journalists essentially on uh, on Twitter, uh, and it goes something like this: Don't write in the CMS. Whatever you do, uh, don't write in the CMS. And it's an understandable uh, uh, argument. The uh, you know too many people have been burned by a lost post. Um, so many CMSs are a pain uh, to use. The software um, is cumbersome and, uh, and, and, not worth, uh, and not worth your time. Totally understandable sentiment, uh, but one which when we launched, uh, we decided to flip on its head and mandate that every writer at Quartz writes in the CMS. Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell, and I'm here again today with another piece of audio from the 2015 Society for News Designs conference that took place about a month ago in Washington, D.C. This time around, I've got a presentation by Zach Seward, Vice President of Product and Executive Editor of Quartz, uh, the digitally native news outlet covering business. This is a pretty wonky presentation, which I think can be a good thing, of course. It's a peek inside a digital startup's thinking when it comes to design and covering the news. Seward's thesis is that everyone in the newsroom at Quartz is a designer. Among other things, this means encouraging Quartz's writers to write in the CMS, place photos, uh, build charts to tell the, their business-themed stories. For some, this might be a big no-duh, but for others like me, it's a different perspective on how to present the news and how we can empower and support our writers to be involved in the design process and think visually about how they're telling their stories. So I think it has a lot to tell us about um, working in the digital space. The first half of this is a presentation that Zach gave. And at the end, there's a, a short interview that I have where I ask Zach a few follow-up questions. Before we get into the podcast, I wanted to remind everybody that they can find out more about It's All Journalism at itsalljournalism.com. Uh, you can follow us on at alljournalism on Twitter. Uh, we, we're on Facebook as well, so go look, look for us there. Uh, you can add, download episodes of It's All Journalism on iTunes and Stitcher, and uh, you can also find us on SoundCloud as well. So, And now, enjoy the presentation by Zach Seward of Quartz. A core principle uh, of Quartz from the, from the beginning has, has been uh, you know, one that design would be at, at the core of, of, of what we are and, and of our brand, and, and two, that we would attempt to empower everyone in the organization to be a designer. So, so that's the uh, that's my claim in this talk, and I'll take you through that uh, in a bit. First, I wanted to start with a, a short story. Uh, about three years ago, we walked into a room in Soho uh, in Manhattan uh, that looked like this, and the the scale of the challenge, but also the opportunity of creating a news organization from scratch in 2012 uh, was was immediately apparent. This was the sort of thing where everything. Um, right down to the, you know, bringing in some chairs and tables uh, was going to be uh, from scratch. Among the many things to figure out, of course, were what the hell we were going to call it. Uh, GBE was the code name of the of the project when uh, when I came on board. Uh, stood for Global Business Executive, uh, the target audience. Uh, but little more than that had, had had been figured out, and and so the name became this uh, this this big project. If any of you have been involved in the you know coming up with the name of something, then you know it's the sort of thing where the more you think about it, 
uh, the harder it gets. You, you realize you're never going to get to a eureka moment, and so on and so forth. We employed a, a firm uh, that all they do is name things uh, to help us uh, do that, and they were sort of as, as weird uh, as you would hope uh, people who do that for a living uh, might be. So there was the day when they came to us and, uh, and presented a, uh, a, the, a copy of the Divine Comedy where they claimed uh, they had located uh, the name. But actually before this moment, there was the other person who came in and to try to help us uh, brainstorm and uh, we it, apologies to those in the back, but I'll, I'll read a few of these. This this was the terrible brainstorm where we thought maybe we would call it status, uh, or actually you, the point at which you know you're you're sort of lost. You have no idea um, what you're going to name it is when you write the code name down. You know maybe we'll just call it GBE. <laughs> sort of grew on us. Um, there's a project right now actually that has a code name that we're like this close to just using as the real name. Um, so anyway, we threw that out. This was this was this was terrible, uh, and uh, came back around uh, to to these two guys who were who were helping us. Uh, and one day they uh, excuse me, laid down on the table uh, a list of options. There's the Divine Comedy, so you know I'm not making that up. Um, and uh, uh, the Atlas was had been the name that, um, that we we were most likely to do when when the whole thing started. And they threw out a bunch of options, sort of dramatically, uh, finally coming down to. And it was pretty clear from the way they, you know, presented it that they were essentially daring us uh, to call it uh, to call it courts. You know, they'd spent a while listening to us talk about how, you know, the, everything about how people get their news has changed, and you had to do things completely different differently. And, and essentially, what, you know, the way I interpreted it at least were, was that um, they were they were uh, ingesting all of our our blather about uh, the future of news, and then giving us back something. That sounded at least, you know, at least uh, a little uh, daring or otherwise ambitious, uh, as as we were claiming to be. It was a dare. They they did they did of course try to sell us on on some facts like Q and Z are the two most you know least frequently used uh, words in the English language, and uh, quartz is uh, the uh, most abundant mineral in the Earth's crust, and other things you discover when you start, you know, looking on Wikipedia for the name that you've already decided to uh, select. <laughs> Essentially, uh, we, we thought, you know, we, we were sold, uh, obviously. And, and, and the idea, you know, we, we took the dare. We wanted, uh, we liked the idea of, uh, of living up to, uh, to some of what we were saying about everything changing. Uh, we, also, uh, we also wanted to communicate um, that this would not be... Uh, just your just another business news site. We we got a lot of comments at the time. We wanted we wanted to live up to, to this name. So so in September 2012, uh, we launched with this, which you already remember is our is our first of about three major designs we've we've been through so far in the last two and a half years. I should say we actually started with more something like this at a very uh, technically difficult launch. Uh, that uh, you know after a few sleepless nights came back around to this. And as you may know, and I won't dwell too much on this, uh, as I said, uh, some other folks uh, much more instrumental in these designs than I would be, uh, would be better placed to talk about it. But we've been through a series of, of designs, essentially three major redesign projects, or one design project and two major redesigns in about two and a half to three years. So uh, from that, we went to that. And 
And then in August, uh, we finally launched a, a homepage for the first time. And, uh, and this is more or less what the site looks like right now. I should say, because I imagine it's of interest to some of you, we've, we've this, is, this has been the idea of redesigning three times in under three years and essentially assuming that we're going to continue at a, at a pace similar to that has been core. Uh, we, 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 let, you know, we feel like we were successful the first time around with, um, with, with a design that people responded well to. Um, it was really quickly apparent that, one, we'd made a ton of mistakes, obviously, and, and two, that it was going to be difficult to, f to, have a, uh, to maintain a fresh feeling to the design. Um, in, in, I, you could, I, I think, in particular, web design uh, is particularly susceptible to that, uh, a, a, a design which, uh, which looks great in, in Photoshop and, 12, and was only implemented 12 months after that. Um, you know, you might launch and it already feels a little crusty. That was the case actually with this. I wouldn't call it quite crusty exactly, but by the time we launched it in August, we were already at work with uh, at some major changes, which we'll hopefully launch uh, shortly uh, from now. So we're, we're trying to move away, I, I should say, from uh, the notion of a redesign. Uh, I guess the like the buzzy way to put it would be like perpetual iteration, uh, but uh, we're trying to it, we you know we have more or less you know three or four releases a day now, and the you know the idea is um, we don't you know we might we're going to switch from say this is Quartz 3.0 um, or 3.0.2, but the uh, to to just um, Incrementing release numbers, is sort of to make the point that that we're not trying to have these these huge redesign projects. Uh, that said, the idea of continuing to change the site design is is part of our uh, part of the concept. It's been so uh, firmly attached to our brand at this point that um, it's almost inescapable. So as we've as we've gone through this, uh, these, these three redesigns, there's been uh, we, we've sort of coalesced around a few core design principles. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll rattle through them really quickly and then come back around to them. They sort of thread through the rest of, uh, of this talk. First, stay out of the reader's way. Second, let the content shine above all. Ensure it works best on phones. That was a, the, the key wording there, not just that it works on phones, but that it works best on people's phones. As we've gone through the redesign, some other uh, principles have emerged. Remove before adding. We've had, I think, essentially at this point, we've removed more features from the site than we've uh, added since launch. So you used to be able to save uh, stories for uh, reading later. You used to be able to highlight and share passages. You used to be, um, and a few other things that um, were little used enough that uh, in order to refresh the site design, it felt, it, it felt necessary um, to, to, get, to uh, free ourselves of some of those features, uh, else we would essentially be layering on a new design rather than uh, uh, truly refreshing it. Pick one thing over another. Um, if you're familiar with the design of QZ.com, you'll know that it's extremely hierarchical. Um, we, so I said we launched a homepage for the first time in August. Um, it's, it, it makes a choice. Now, you know, whether it makes the right choice, I would leave up to all of you and uh, would not you know, claim that we like, feel 100% that it does. Uh, nevertheless, you know, it, makes, it makes a very clear choice to display one feature story 
at the top a, a news briefing uh, throughout most of the homepage, and, and as a result diminishes uh, presentation of most of Quartz's stories that were published that day. The whole reasoning as to why, which might take up a, an entire other talk, uh, point being simply it's the exact opposite of a carousel. It, it picks one thing uh, over another. And lastly, we make small decisions based on data and large decisions based on our gut. Uh, it, it, we, you know, our general finding has been that big redesign projects like the one uh, we launched in August are nearly, we can inform them certainly with data, but are nearly impossible to make a decision about, for instance, which, uh, where, what to lead the homepage with uh, based on any, uh, any data before we've, uh, we've actually launched it. And so mo most of the time we're actually in those big decisions going with our gut uh, more than anything else, but essentially what's, what, feels, what feels right. It's the small decisions that we're A-B testing and making, the, making those changes uh, more or less based on what our readers tell us. All right, so that's, that's, a, that's a broad overview of how Quartz thinks about design. Now for the thesis of this talk, which is that everyone at Quartz is a designer. Before I make this argument, I should say that actually these are the designers. Uh, Daniel Lee is the... He's the lead designer uh, for Quartz. Um, he, uh, he is the one to credit with much of uh, its current uh, design. Uh, the rest of uh, the folks here are our uh, UX designer and the entire engineering uh, team. Yes, this is the entirety of our design and engineering team uh, at Quartz. Um, and, and these folks are, are who make our design shine most of all. So um, while I stand by the thesis of this talk, uh, I, I also acknowledge that, um, uh, that these are the real uh, stars of, of what makes QZ.com QZ so great and whom uh, are the ones I'm referring to when I say you, know, you should hear from them. Uh, for, for some of the uh, details of our design philosophy and, and technical approach. But back to my, to my claim. So you may be familiar, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a meme you hear um, if you follow certain uh, folks or journalists essentially on, uh, on Twitter, uh, and it goes something like this. Don't write in the CMS. Whatever you do, uh, don't write in the CMS. And it's an understandable uh, uh, argument. The uh, you know too many people have been burned by a lost post. Um, so many CMSs are a pain uh, to use. The software um, is cumbersome and, uh, and and not worth uh, and not worth your time. Totally understandable sentiment, uh, but one which when we launched uh, we decided to flip on its head and mandate that every writer at Quartz writes in the CMS. And I don't know, I, I, it, depending on your, your outlook, this may seem like a, um, I mean, it may seem heretical. Uh, it may seem like a small, uh, a small point, in which case, I'm sorry to disappoint you, because it's essentially the entirety of my point today. Um, we, we mandate that people write in the CMS out of a conviction that the writer should be as close to the finished product as possible. The, the idea is uh, that a WYSIWYG edi editor, what you see is what you get. Uh, is is truer in its meaning than, than it may even be uh, it may even be apparent. A WYSIWYG editor <laughs> fundamentally changes how you write. It's uh, 
I'm a firm believer that uh, content uh, that, that you're writing should adapt as much as possible to the specific medium in which it's appearing, uh, that the closer the writer is to the means of production, the better the finished good, the better the results, and that readers can tell. They can tell if this thing was written for the web or was written for print, if it was written for a phone or a desktop, which is a, another subject entirely. Um, and as a result, as a writer, you are designing as much as you are writing. In some sense, this is why I think Medium is so significant uh, a new platform. Full disclosure, my wife works at Medium. <laughs> but people talk about Medium for a variety of reasons. And obviously, it's ease of use, um, it's, uh, it's prospects as a writing platform, all of which are very true. My favorite thing about it is that, is that it is the first truly WYSIWYG editor. So I won't, in our, our CMS is, uh, is WordPress, probably all familiar with it. It is not actually WYSIWYG. Uh, and the gap between that and true, true WYSIWYG, which, which Medium is, um, is significant and something we, we hope to fix. Uh, for those who are interested, uh, the WordPress API project is, um, is, is super interesting. We use our our own API built on top of WordPress, um, but that one could lead to um, to essentially truly WYSIWYG uh, uh, work, uh, text editors uh, built on top of WordPress. That would be awesome. Uh, we try to get as close as we can uh, to truly WYSIWYG uh, text editing uh, for the reasons I was saying earlier, and which I'll, I'll explain further in a little bit. The reason might not call out in a, in a screenshot like this, uh, but I'll try to make the case uh, in a few different ways later on. The reason is that the writer's intentional choice to select this photo, to place it at this particular point in the story, to choose to, in this case, set it off from the text instead of running it in line. They may seem like mere aesthetic choices, but in fact, they are as essential to the writing of the story, its communication, as the text uh, of the story itself. And the fact that we require our writers to make these choices, to find the photo themselves, um, to insert it in the specific place, and not to make that a separate part of the production process is fundamentally what distinguishes the type of journalism we're trying to do um, from some other places. Now, I should say uh, there are plenty of places that take this approach, whether they like make such a point of it or not, I, you know, uh, varies. Uh, there was a, a story about uh, at courts, uh, well, in, in, a, in a design blog maybe a year ago that uh, made a point about how we require our writers to select the photos for their stories. And it was really interesting to see uh, the difference in how people reacted to, the, to this report. Um, there were a lot of people who worked uh, mostly in newspapers who, who found this to be a very significant point. And I actually agree, it is a significant point. That's sort of the point I'm making here. Um, there were a lot of other people uh, generally who write for the web who found that to be a very trivial point to obviously pick their own photos all the time. Uh, and uh, you know, didn't uh, didn't quite see what was so special about it. That, and that particular point, picking the the featured image maybe on your story, not the biggest deal. But as I'll explain, it, you know, there's a lot more to the design of these stories than um, than just that featured image. So when we launched Quartz, we 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 started with a notion of templates. So there was a separate template for a short news story. There was a se separate template for a video post and a separate template for long features, and, there, and, and so on and so forth. As we've, as we've moved uh, from that launch 
period. We've tried to move as far away from templates as possible, instead hewing toward building blocks uh, that we give our writers to create their stories. So at this point, with rare exceptions that uh, you know, aren't, are, I won't discuss today, there is, no, there is a single template on Quartz. Uh, and the design differences you see story to story are chosen at the level of the story by the writer. So for instance, you're choosing whether uh, the, the featured image, and by the way, I, I, there's a whole section of this talk on mobile, but I'm obviously showing a desktop screenshot because we're looking at a desktop screen. Um, the, uh, you're choosing whether your featured image is extra large or large. And then from there, uh, picking the elements that we, you know, these building blocks that we provided uh, for writers to use in which we work on continuing to provide new and different building blocks um, to construct the story uh, from there. Doing it this way forces the writer to think about the end user's experience, what they're trying to communicate to them, and what, in what way the visuals make that communication uh, effective. Of course, the disadvantage is that the writers have to think Things like, well, I'm going to do no featured image with a medium inline photo at the top instead of this is a quick news story. That takes some quick getting used to. It takes a lot of teaching. Some writers are far better at making that translation from what, the, from the, uh, what they're trying to do with the story to what the design of it is to what the uh, CMS calls all of these elements. Um, but those that learn that you know, end up performing quite well and making great use of these building blocks uh, better, I'd argue, than a much more templated design that, that sort of ma made their lives easier, maybe even faster uh, in some cases, but which sort of reduced the variation uh, in, in, and, and as a result kind of constrain uh, the ability to, to tell the kind of story they're trying to tell. It's also an advantage because it allows essentially writers to hack our design uh, in ways that then lead us to, to more officially support it uh, later on. If we see people are consistently doing you know, uh, something with, with the display of photos, then we end up um, you know, trying to make that easier within, within the CMS. At the same time, it leads to a lot of this, uh, which is you know, because we don't templatize the thing, uh, and our captions are off to the left unless you make, you know, you think to, to force them down below. Um, the story publishes this way and you're, uh, and you have to go back and, um, and, and force it under, or first of all, you have to be attuned to it. And that of course makes our editors as much designers as our writers because they're the ones policing all of this. And it leads to stuff, I stuck this slide in um, just before, uh, just today, because uh, it, it fit, it fit kind of perfectly, which is like, Editors saying, "Hey, you know, there's a, there's an ad getting in the way. How do I do that? How do I fix that?" And the answer is like sticking, you know, telling a you know a non a non technical uh, staff to to stick in a div into the uh, into the CMS. Uh, and you know, there's 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 a lot of that as well. Of course, we we try as much as possible to uh, you know to to avoid those kinds of situations. But as a result of you know avoid, avoiding templates, we um, these these kinds of things, uh, we give rise to this uh, despite our best attempts. Now another way of talking about, uh, about this is essentially that we write with visuals, right? So the, all sorts of visuals that we may use, but a, but a big one for Quartz as a business news website are charts. The, the biggest uh, and most effective tool we, we have for uh, allowing our writers to write visually uh, is a tool called Chart, called chart Builder. 
So uh, you're looking at, at version two of, of Chart Builder. Chart Builder is an open source project, and this will be uh, we'll be releasing this version uh, as, as part of the open source project, like imminently. Um, so it, uh, I should say, actually, since there's probably some folks who may be interested in, in Chart Builder, may maybe even use it already um, as an open source project, stop working on top of Chart Builder one. Chart Builder two is even better. Um, this is what it looks like for our um, uh, for for SR internal tool, and essentially, Chart Builder allows anyone in the newsroom to create uh, a quick, good-looking chart, uh, at least simple charts in in our house style. Now. I make a distinction between images that are used for illustration, nothing wrong with that, we do plenty of it, and images that are actually used to write. Um, generally, the distinction, uh, at least in a desktop layout, would be between an image that's set off from the text and one which is in line. Uh, another way of describing the difference is that uh, if, if you were to remove the chart from the piece, it would no longer make sense the way if you were to remove a random paragraph from the piece, it obviously would uh, wouldn't make sense at all. Our writers write with charts. Chart Builder allows them to do that because it, if it were, if, it, if the process were to send the data over to a separate desk, have them create the chart, send it back, put it into the story, they wouldn't be able to, you know, to, to think in the same way about how the chart fits into the story as, the, as when they control the means of production to create the chart themselves. And so we're writing with charts, essentially. Chart Builder turns the entire newsroom into the graphics desk. And a sort of a fundamental pr principle when we launched Quartz was that we didn't want to create any service bureaus. So there isn't a graphics desk at, at Quartz. The entire newsroom is a graphics desk. And yes, that is scary. It certainly allows our, uh, our, our, our writers to lie with data very easily and to make ugly things. I would argue. We give them access to words, and words are really dangerous, too. <laughs> and what it requires, of course, is policing. You know, that's the role of our editors. It's the role of our things team, which is folks in, at, at courts who are you know, particularly um, skilled in these areas. Uh, it's, not, you know, it, it's, it's not to say that this hasn't like, you know, kept us up at night. Um, it's not to say that it hasn't led to some terrible charts. Chart Builder does not support pie charts at the moment, but it, uh, but it may well someday. Uh, the, um, it requires guidelines, teaching, policing, uh, but sometimes it leads to magic. This might look like a mistake, but actually it's my favorite chart we've published this year, or at least in, out of Chart Builder. Um, uh, Dan Frommer, our technology editor, writing about the fifth birthday of, of, of the iPad. Um, and I don't know, I'll, I won't try to convince you all why it's so magical, but it's a great chart. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't, of course, mean that we don't have specialists who do more complex work as well, uh, but, it's, but, but the point is that everyone can create these charts. And so more than half of Quartz stories contain a chart. It's, essential, it's as essential to our journalism as, as, as text. A big downside of Chart Builder, I should say, is that the, it, this is a tool based in D3, and then the last step is instead of spit out an SVG, or well, it can do with SVG, but for our workflow, it, uh, the last step is, all right, give me a PNG, and then I upload that the way I would any other photograph. So that's not particularly mobile friendly. Um, our approach right now is to make sure that the text scales down, and any, and any uh, sort of bespoke chart work we do, we, we do in a, in a 
uh, more responsive manner. And I guess I should just say, stay tuned. Um, that's a big, uh, that we, we like acknowledge that's a big downside to this approach and, and that should be fixed shortly. So speaking of mobile, I promised the whole section on mobile. Um, of course, obviously when we launched, um, you know, spoke about uh, taking a mobile first approach uh, to, to journalism. And, uh, and so this is now the section about mobile. Uh, Given the subject of my talk, the argument I'm trying to make, I, you know, I want to talk about mobile, uh, and I, I don't love mobile first as a term, but let's just use it, mobile first journalism uh, from the perspective of writing uh, and, and to the degree to which it affects the, the design, so to speak, of the writing at court. So just, um, and again, I'll, I'll quote the passages I think are worth uh, worthwhile for those uh, who are in the back. I just pulled a few quotes from our... Um, uh, from our editorial style guide um, that are either specifically about mobile or, or, or strike me as, as uh, specifically talking to it. So uh, there's a whole section in, in the style guide about respecting uh, readers' time. There is, of course, the section that specifically tells people to, to think mobily, uh, to imagine the piece on a phone, and we provide the tools for previewing it on a, uh, on a phone before publication, because you shouldn't have to just imagine it. And this, my favorite section of the entire style guide, uh, admonishing writers to, to not clear their throats. I'll read this uh, for those in the back. It can be tempting to start a piece with some scene setting and a few rhetorical flourishes. This is generally called throat clearing, and it's the product of an age when a newspaper article was something to be settled in gently, like a favorite armchair. Think, think of our writing, rather, as something to be sucked off the screen of a smartphone in a swaying subway train. If a piece could start at the second or third paragraph with no loss of sense, then that's where the start should be. This uh, Gideon Lisfield, uh, who is our founding uh, news, news editor, wrote much of this style guide, and those, those, are, those are his words. Uh, it's not to say we don't occasionally have um, uh, rhetorical flourishes and anecdotal leads, um, nor that we don't love them when we read them elsewhere, just that very specifically, of course, what we're trying to do is, um, is say, I guess, cut to the chase. This sort of pervades our, uh, our entire uh, style guide. So the, um, you know, the no bullshit tone, uh, that that we we attempt to take the the sort of jargon free writing that's that that you know we think is essential for um, you know clear business news writing is is not only a uh, an approach specific to mobile uh, but it is certainly part of the same uh, part of the same principle. Now it might seem from from all of this that that what that all of these guidelines could boil down to a simple point, which is to keep it short. It's not entirely untrue, but it is not the point. So on day one of any, uh, any new uh, courts writer's uh, employment uh, at, at courts, we show them this chart, the court's curve. Uh, the, uh, this, is not a, uh, this is not a scientific uh, chart, and I should say if you, if you try to uh, fact check this, you might, you might find that we uh, more than occasionally violate it. Um, but, the, uh, but imagine that the x-axis of this U-curve is, is, say, the time it takes to write the story, or just the word count, or more conceptually, the depth of treatment that you're giving the story. And the y-axis is the likelihood of success, measured however you like, but let's say um, by traffic. The, what we find um, frequently is that stuff on the left side of the curve that has one and only one point to make, hopefully a smart one, 
um, and avoids the sort of padding um, that too easily uh, creeps into people's writing. Does very well, can, can, is the sort of grist of the social web that gets passed around quite easily. But also stuff on the right side of the curve, the, the authoritative fe and, and in-depth features, the ones that uh, th those uh, tend to perform best uh, just overall for us, and I imagine for most publishers, um, and perform equally well on mobile as they do on desktop. It's the stuff in the middle, the, 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 the and I, you know, if I were gonna make this a little more um, scientific, I'd say you know, 500 to 800 words uh, the, is, is the valley here. It's that stuff that sort of was, was padded beyond the, the single observation, but not quite into the range of being truly authoritative, um, that in a middle ground suffers, uh, and generally our, our readers uh, find it suffers as well. On the on the right side of the curve are, are features. I, you know, I should say, as I said, they, these you know these tend to reform uh, better than, than than any of our uh, any of our pieces, and which is an interesting observation given you know the, maybe the, uh, the supposition that on mobile people aren't uh, are, aren't willing to read uh, nearly as long stories. <laughs> our 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 feature design. Uh, is actually fairly straightforward. And so, so for one, there is no separate feature design. Right? We've done occasional, um, essentially bespoke designed features. Um, and I know it's you know, particularly in, in vogue to do that. It's, it, it, it's of interest to us, but I, you know, to be honest, the, um, the construction of these stories is more or less the same as the construction of a story that took 30 minutes to write and, and 30 minutes to edit. Is, is you know is there room for uh, for for innovation in in uh, feature design on mobile? I, I don't I, I imagine there is, uh, but generally our approach has been uh, to keep it quite simple and to make sure above all that we're adhering to the principles that I started with. Among them, of course, staying out of the reader's way. So there is some there's more room, of course, on desktop to do more elaborate uh, feature designs. Uh, but in, in making sure that the, these pieces work best on phones, we've tended to take a fairly straightforward approach to the, to the feature design. Uh, we've done complex designs on mobile, but, uh, uh, but, but I, wouldn't, um, I wouldn't suggest that that's, um, that that's been a, an area of, of innovation. Actually, you know, one, the thing I guess I'm proudest of in terms of our, uh, our, our, our redesigns is in turn, you know, if it, I, I, a lot of places, uh, you know, would would attempt to keep things as simple as possible on mobile, in particular with mobile layouts, there's just not nearly as the same kind of room uh, for uh, design flourishes. Uh, so it's it's actually been, you know, it's obviously it's a little difficult when you approach a mobile redesign whether to think about the ways in which you might act, try to simplify uh, the design. So so maybe the the thing I'm proudest of is that we've managed to remove uh, features. At, at the same time that, for since the you know the, our launch two and a half years ago, our users, uh, our readers' uh, screen sizes have gotten much larger. So there's much less on the page when you come to courts on uh, on mobile, and you have a much bigger uh, much bigger screen. At this point, the, essentially the only thing other than text on the mobile view of courts is the share button, and I am proud to say we are getting rid of that too. Which interestingly, we because we find. Uh, <laughs> I, I um, thank you. <laughs> uh, because we find that it's not particularly uh, uh, well used uh, compared to, to, to some share buttons elsewhere on the page. 
I suppose, you know, the reality is actually that our best example of writing for mobile is not on QZ.com at all. It's the court's daily brief. So this is our morning email. We, uh, we, we write it and send it out three times a day, one, uh, three different editions uh, for morning delivery in Asia, Europe, and uh, the Americas. And it's, it's been a successful product for us. Readers, readers tend to like it. And there's nothing particularly um, to, you know, to its design, um, with, aside from a, you know, a, few, a few features, there's the, uh, you know, the, 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 the top line, we call it a headline internally, uh, bold, uh, bold sentence to lead off each item. This has sort of been an oft-imitated style since we launched this two and a half years ago, but I should acknowledge that we were ourselves imitating the style of uh, the Wall Street Journal's uh, uh, print front page, the, the 10 point or what's news column. Um, I came from the journal, as did my boss, uh, Kevin Delaney, and uh, so you know, nothing, nothing particularly uh, new about that. Um, if you work in, um, you know, CSS for for email uh, apps, you you know that that's a huge pain, and and so the simplicity of this design is like is is, is no small matter. But it's, uh, but but beyond that, it's uh, it's fairly straightforward. It's 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 in the content, and again, the the. The writing, the designed writing of, of the email that I think it sort of excels as a as sort of mobile first design. The other thing we think about when we uh, when we try to approach the design of our stories is trying to avoid writing articles at all. So what do I mean by that? The story formats we 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 employ ten, or, you know, we we attempt as much as possible. To uh, to innovate in uh, within the constraints that uh, that we provide on our our layouts. This is one example of uh, we just it, it, so Netflix, a company that I that I write about sometimes, has a uh, sort of a vision statement for the company. It's called its long term view, which it updates periodically, but does not announce when it updates it, and doesn't provide any um, you know historical uh, versions of it. Um, so this so the so this article. Uh, was just the track changes version of their long-term view, which in turn sort of uh, shows the evolution of the company's of the company's thinking. A lot of court stories are like this. They're either actually primary documents, uh, or or sort of have a meta quality to them. Uh, so you know, it's uh, it, this this story was literally one sentence in six charts, and um, this was literally just a list of tortured descriptions of of Twitter. Uh, and, and and so on and so forth. Uh, again, uh, the you know what's going on here is the the, the format is is of the articles sort of being broken down one uh, in a way that works very well on people's phones. Uh, it doesn't or doesn't require anything particularly special uh, of them. It doesn't uh, it, it doesn't require certainly a, a, a wider screen. Uh, and and two, it's uh, it's just the kind of thing that we find. Uh, tends to work particularly well uh, on the social web that people pass around. Uh, that, and, and for most of these, not particularly technically complex. A story, one thing we did recently, we apologize for those in back, uh, was play around with uh, an ongoing story, in this case the, the launch of HBO's sort of standalone, standalone streaming service, um, where there were a number of facts that Time Warner, HBO's parent company, had already announced and which we knew for sure. And, num and, and several things that have been reported elsewhere um, and we could sort of presume to be true but didn't know for sure, and yet still other facts which we were unaware of completely. 
And so to write this particular story, we col you know, uh, essentially color-coded the, the, the article um, with, with, in each of those categories. A totally simple uh, hack of the, of the CMS, um, and the story could evolve over time. In particular, I know that this is like the, you know this is not the future of news, um, but it's a uh, but it was it was a format that that readers uh, responded well to. I think more to the point of my talk, it's the kind of thing we try to encourage of our writers. Given uh, given the tools and the means of production, um, they end up coming up with stuff like this. Probably the best example I should say of, of this this sort of approach is how we cover earnings. So we we very rarely actually write your your standard earnings story of 500 to 800 words um, reporting on, on the company's prior quarter, we instead, for almost all company earnings that we choose to write, break it down into three sections, the numbers, the takeaway, and what's interesting about it, and try pretty hard to limit ourselves uh, to that approach. Again, this is a design story in the sense that it, you know, that there isn't a, a template in the CMS which you, uh, which you select when writing an earnings story. But as the writer, you're sort of forcing yourself to be uh, cognizant of, uh, of what, what you're attempting to do, which is like, I guess, cut to the chase, um, and, and call out only that which is actually interesting, and, uh, and format your story uh, in, in, a, in a particular way. So I said everyone at Quartz is a designer, and I mean it. I've spent well, most of the time here on, uh, on our journalists. Um, but in that, I would also include our advertisers. So native advertising is, is uh, a large portion of our revenue and um, one of two of our major ad products. And so all of the, the tools I was talking about earlier are also available um, to our advertisers. So in, in that case, they too are designing their ads. I make a point of this uh, because at the moment, uh, I think there's a question in our industry about what native advertising really means. The uh, I don't think it's about fooling the reader, but it is about an ad product that is actually native to the platform on which it's appearing. You see a lot of totally interesting, you know, very impressive uh, examples of native advertising right now, which at the same time are sort of indistinguishable from your average microsite in that uh, the only thing they have in common with the site in which they're appearing is the URL. Right? Otherwise, they're completely designed from scratch. They're not actually naturally part of, um, of, of that news site. So you know, I, native advertising is like a debate for a whole other, uh, whole other session, obviously. But, uh, but our, our approach to it is to make it actually feel um, a part of the, uh, of the platform and be designed in the same way with labeling that uh, indicates that it's, a, uh, that it's sponsored content. Do you use any visual clues to separate that? I do. So uh, we, we both use, we use labeling and visual cues. So um, very literally sponsor content by GE uh, in a few places. You know, this was not written by Quartz. This was written by GE, uh, those sorts of things. And the, the main visual cue we use is a change of background color. Yeah. Uh, right down to our, uh, to our events. So, you know, one question we try to, you know, which everyone tries to think about it, of course, is you know whether you're a writer, uh, uh, whether you're the designer, or whether you're an events person, is just how do you sort of instill the uh, you know our design principles at uh, at you know in whatever it is you're uh, you're working on. Um, 
I'm going to leave it there so I could take some questions if you have it. A few more slides, but I think that actually is. Uh, um, I'll I'll go through them to tease what I was okay. talking about. Ten minutes for questions. Yeah, great. Um, I won't try to uh, throw this on. You can interpret it as you wish. <laughs> uh, we'll come back here to uh, to where we began, and if you do have questions, I'm happy to take them about anything. Yeah. Yeah. So in it's a good question, um, and uh, so not necessarily depending on how we did it. In that case, the markup's in line. So so actually yes, or depending on your reader, but like a web, most web-based readers would pull in that markup. Um, but that's a great question. I don't, I don't um, otherwise know. And I should say about that particular thing, it's like it was like literally a one-off. Let you know, let's just uh, play around with this notion. Um, part of the idea there is like it's very easy to play around with the notion. And should it, you know, should we decide? Yeah, actually, it is the future. Um, we can, um, we would bake it in a little more um, uh, completely. And, and that's a that would be an excellent uh, point to address. Because I love purple. <laughs> we, you, you might, if, if, you're, if you're familiar with quartz, uh, you, you know, we, we started it with um, the dominant color in our church is this like really hot pink. And I also like pink. Um, but uh, it, um, it was, it, uh, we, were, we were trying to strike a balance between the distinctiveness of that hot pink, which we, um, you know, for a variety of reasons launched with and became part of our uh, aesthetic. And the redesign that we launched in August, which in many ways toned down the whole uh, aesthetic. You know, we went from white on black to uh, black on a very light gray. And so the chart style had to get muted as well. So it's essentially the evolution of that, uh, of that palette. I probably don't have any great uh, suggestions, but I, I, I mean, I, I mean, my my experience is that most places are either you know make it optional or not or, or just don't do it at all. Um, even when the idea of like seats for writers is like baked into their you know contract for the CMS, um, and that feels like a mistake. Like the only way to 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 play around with this notion would be to, to let people, um, you know, have at it and, um, and see what happens from there. I mean, I, my gen, you know, I guess suppose the other thing that generally happens, um, most, uh, most newspapers is there's, there's the core site and then there's the WordPress, uh, hosted, uh, side blogs and it's there where more of this kind of thing, um, is happening. And that also seems like an effective, uh, an effective strategy. Um, Look, I, I, uh, it's it's difficult for us too, right? Especially as we we've grown, to sort of force some rigor in terms of um, teaching this. There's also like at this point a legacy to the to the tools we've built on top of WordPress that um, you know it helps if you've like you know, been there the whole time and for someone coming in fresh, 
um, the ability to really like truly make use of these layouts is, is much is much more difficult and requires more documentation. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a it's like you know, it's obviously easier for us, but it, um, it, it's quickly become difficult as well. So I realize that's a non-answer, but I, uh, um, that's sort of where we find ourselves. Yeah. From a school product perspective, would you say that you prioritize internal tools as much as you prioritize your systemic insights? I would love to say that is true, <laughs> but it is probably not actually true. So Chart Builder is this accidental uh, tool. Um, uh, David Yanofsky on the Things to sort of built it or a you know, first version of it to solve his, the problem of his own, which is people he was getting a bunch of requests for charts and it, you know figured there'd be it must be an easier way and it, it grew from there into a tool for everyone. We have a variety of other internal tools. There's an equivalent map builder um, and uh, you know a, a few that that are very specific to just making things look good on our site. Um, but and and other tools for data manipulation. Uh, but so so I guess I would go so far as to say it's really important to us. But I, beyond that, I don't um, I don't know. It's not. Um, it's uh, it it probably does not expend as nearly the same sort of resources that um, maintenance of the core site and other products has. Mm -hmm. I didn't talk about, it, but it makes me think of one one thing that's unusual about our structure that I, that plays into some of these um, uh, ideas is, so the entire design and development team that I showed on that slide earlier is part of the newsroom. That's separate from the things team, which I've also referred to, you know, we just say reporters, everyone's title is reporter, but, um, you know, other places might be like the, you know, sort of journal programmers. Um, is uh, that so? It's separate, but but nevertheless, still all part of the newsroom. Micah Ernst, our director of engineering, his boss is Kevin Delaney, um, who is also my boss. Uh, we like it's uh, that's made it a little easier um, in a number of ways. But one one way, the reason I was thinking of it is that we sort of don't make quite the same distinction. So sometimes, like the things they might be working on a tool like Chart Builder at the moment. I mean, I sort of hinted at like we have big plans for um, for that tool and, and so there's plenty of work being done by folks on Micah's team as well and um, that sort of helps so it makes me a little hard to make the distinction which I guess is a good thing. I think we've got time for one more question. Uh, so last question. Use one question. Um, since the writers are writing with charts and photos <laughs> like what is the editor's relationship <laughs> to those sort of building blocks of the story? Um, well so it's, it's interesting. I, I think that might be the one area where, so, you know, we hire for writers who, I, you know, possess or, or want to learn these skill sets. Um, our editors are fantastic, but I imagine it's less common to, to, like, come into a role like that with that specific experience, mm -hmm. right? Um, some of it is pretty similar to your average, you know, a kind of style of, of editing. Um, others, I mean, you know, the, the actually the real pain in the ass about Shark Builder spinning out of PNG is that, like, you know, the, uh, that when you find a typo in it, it's a, it's harder than it ought to uh, than it ought to be. But um, uh, but some of it's pretty standard, you know, uh, just applied to the to the visuals as well. Um, I think it would it's another area in which a truly WYSIWYG editor would be far superior to the 
sort of WYSIWYG editor that we, we offer. Um, it would make it, you know, so it's hard enough for the writer to make the translation to the design of the page. It's, it's still more difficult for the editor to understand the translation that the writer's attempting to make in addition to interpreting what the, um, what the CMS is trying to tell you. Uh, so um, I think it would, like, it would clean that up. It would also make it a little easier to, to, make, to make edits, to make visual edits the way one makes textual edits. Um, I guess all that being said, in practice, um, the the visual uh, design of the story is far more far more likely to be owned by the writer than it is the the editor, and the editor tends in that case to play a role of uh, policing rather than um, than editing. The exception is probably our our longer features, where um, uh, where they're more likely to be involved in the editing of the visuals. Thanks Thank so much. See, as I promised, it was a bit wonky, but I think there was a lot of meat in there, uh, a lot of interesting ideas about uh, how a digital startup, how a newsroom in a digital startup functions, and, uh, you know, how writers and editors and designers all work together to present a product. And um, after the presentation, I, I grabbed uh, Zach for a few minutes, and we sat down and and conducted a follow-up interview, lengthening the discussion about a few of the points that he brought up. One of the things you mentioned early on was that you had sort of three uh, guiding principles as far as the design of the uh, website goes. Can you sort of talk about those? Sure. The Above all, try to make sure that we stay out of the reader's way, we let the content shine above everything else, and make sure it works best on people's phones. And from there, obviously, you get into the specifics of what that means for the site's design, but as cardinal principles, that's what we've tried to uphold since day one and then get much better at once we realized all the mistakes we made the first time around. So how, how well do you feel you've done on that? I feel good about it. it. At the very least, that we, those remain. Those have really been the three uh, cardinal principles from the start, and they remain. So I don't. I, I, it's kind of a moving target, though. I don't. Uh, I, feel, I feel good about where we are now, but it's. But I'm sure that it's going to change as we see readers' habits develop or, or, or new, new devices come out. So it's. It's. It feels like really the sort of thing that's never. It's never going to be uh, truly successful. We just. Uh, we just have to like keep keep changing. So when you're talking about designing. From, it's not so much for mobile, but it's also you're thinking phones because that's is that who you see as your primary user? Yeah, that's interesting because when we launched two and a half years ago, we talked about a mobile and tablet first approach. Obviously, we employed responsive design, so uh, one design that works across all uh, device types and screen sizes. But we put a particular focus on tablets in uh, in a way that we don't really now. And, and the reason is it's not that we I mean we try to support tablets and, and have a great experience on them as well, but it's not it's not quite the focus that it is because. About 10% of our audience when we launched was, were on tablets, and still today, it's about 10%. The, the, the big difference, as is true for all publishers, is in the crossing of the lines between desktop and phones. So generally people talk about desktop versus mobile, and by mobile they mean both phones and tablets. If I'm talking at this moment of just about phones, and 
it was about it was last year when uh, phones eclipsed desktop uh, in terms of a uh, portion of our audience. So now, yes, it's it, you know the majority of our of our audience is uh, coming. Excuse me, the uh, plurality of our audience is coming to us on their phone. The majority on what people generally call mobile, and and so there's no question. It's it's obviously uh, has to be our first focus. So how does that then affect uh, your not not even just your design, but your whole philosophy of the way you present your stories? Well, one one way is in our tone and, and general uh, style, editorial approach tends to be a little more no bullshit, uh, uh, a little more cut to the chase. Uh, and there's a admonishment in our uh, in our style guide that I mentioned in the talk about uh, avoiding throat clearing. So if a story can begin with actually what it's about and trying to tell you, then it should. And generally that means that, you know, court stories don't tend to have anecdotal leads or sort of ease into um, the piece. We do, we do kind of cut to the chase in that way, especially at the top of the story. And that's, you know, I think that that probably is a, is a good approach uh, on a variety of screens, but it is in a sense a, a mobile first uh, editorial approach because if you're thinking about the reader on her phone, you you have to imagine that uh, you you don't want to test uh, her patience, you don't want to um, waste her time, and you, and 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 she's likely to reward you if you're able to, to to cut to the chase and have a sort of a density of information that people might hope for in uh, in a mobile experience. Oh, is sort of going along that line, something you talked about was, you know, maybe, well, a part of your philosophy is to avoid writing a story, you know, coming up and presenting it in a different way. Could you sort of give examples of that? Yeah, the term we use for it internally is things. So we try not to write articles, we write things. Uh, things can be whole, all, all sorts of uh, different formats and and part of the idea actually is that there is no singular format for for a story, but it does tend to mean that like less rather than uh, just write the news straight in a sort of uh, inverted pyramid style, where we're likely to privilege primary documents. That that would be one type of thing, either just as is, if it's a particular document is is so strong that it um, can stand on its own, or uh, manipulate in some way, or, or with um, s- some sort of presentation that makes it uh, um, work. Probably the the most classic form of thing at courts, though, is a chart. So more than half of our stories contain a chart, and we frequently make reference in our storytelling to that uh, here's here's the chart that kind of tells you what we're trying to say right here uh, and if you look at nothing but the chart you probably can get a good deal of the story okay. and that's something that clearly works well in, in a mobile environment and certainly on a, th- a phone where you're you're sort of you know jamming that information into a in a form that you can show them fairly easily yeah it's efficient certainly we're trying to get better and making sure that the the chart itself is mobile friendly, so they are mobile friendly now in the sense that as they scale down, we make sure that you know things like the uh, typeface uh, are, are legible even on a small phone. That said, uh, there's plenty of room for improvement there, and and given how core it is, it's been kind of a no-brainer to to work on that, and it's something we'll address pretty uh, pretty shortly. Something that that I kind of that kind of struck me is really kind of interesting is this sort of philosophy of you know letting the writers do it that you know quite often uh, you know 
in newsrooms are sort of set up that the, the everybody has their particular role. You know, the graphics department is the ones who put the photos together and then do the layouts, and and the the reporter just provides the text, and maybe they reload it into the system. But you having people writing in the CMS and actually placing photos and, and into the the body of the story. Can you sort of talk about maybe the evolution of that philosophy and what you what you think it, it accomplishes? Yeah, I mean, I guess I should acknowledge that part of it uh, comes from a you know, necessity. We are smaller and certainly started quite small um, compared to, to some other places. And so the idea of having the writer handle most of those functions is uh, as about efficiency as, as anything else. So in a way, we, there's been a happy accident uh, because the product of that efficiency has also been really strong. Uh, but it's it's not, it's not just an accident. It, it's sort of also been kind of a core uh, philosophy of ours, and something uh, you know we feel pretty strongly. The idea that given the means of production, uh, writers' work will be more effective. If you think about the, you know, the writer is just simply trying to like, communicate information as effectively as possible. Text does that pretty well. It's you know long uh, uh, tried and true method of conveying information. But uh, visuals, of course, um, can, can, can often be uh, still, still more uh, efficient and, um, and effective at, at, at that task. And so to, to make the distinction and place one in one section of the newsroom and another in, in, in the other side of the room uh, didn't feel right and, and didn't feel like it would uh, lead to the kinds of stories we were trying to encourage. And part of that is is that you don't have a you don't have templates or maybe you have one template and that's something everybody works off of which I probably surprise a few people in the uh, design uh, audience. Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to hear their reaction. And you know, as I said in the in the uh, talk, there's some downside to that. If you're a writer, you have to think about what you're trying to do in terms of the design and the specifics of our of the building blocks we give people in the CMS to create that design instead of quickly applying, you know, all right, I want to do a, uh, this is a video post, and so I'm going to use the video post template, which has its advantages and, and uh, is actually a, a, a concept we started with at, at, at the beginning. Uh, so, so, so the, and I guess the other thing is if you're going to have a single template, you better make sure it's flexible enough so it doesn't look that way. And I think we succeeded at that, but increasing the uh, diversity of the design is a priority and something we've, tra- we've done over time uh, to give people f- uh, more and more block- building blocks to create the stories. So when you're having uh, reporters doing this type of work, um, does it sort of require a different type of reporter, do you think? Or do you think, you, did you sort of start out with some some sort of level and everybody's sort of risen to that? Or are you bringing in people who have these different skills? We are. I mean, so to, I think, you know, anyone is capable of it. We're not asking people to be professional designers, right? We, we, we have professional designers and they help our writers um, uh, create these uh, layouts through the tools we provide and the 
and the guidance. So it's not it's not as though we're like trying to transform someone from being a writer to being a, a full time designer. That said, thinking visually is not a like a not everyone's sort of personality trait. So we we do look for that. And it depends based on the type of writer, the subject matter, right? Our economic and finance writers are all about charts. And so being you know, good with data and employing those charts is important. Maybe our you know, lifestyle fashion reporters, they're like, fantastic at using images, photos uh, in, their, uh, in their pieces. They do some of the most interesting layouts given the building blocks we provide. And that makes sense of the type of journalism they're trying to do would be you know, that much more photo heavy. And so uh, it... It, as we've grown, that it, the, that sort of variety is sort of naturally creeped into the newsroom and works very well for us. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, spending a few minutes. Yeah, no, my, my pleasure. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find more info on us and download other episodes at itsalljournalism.com. This podcast is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.